0: Thank you, Bert and Gene Ellen. Great job again. Great song. Please turn your Bibles to back at chapter three, verse one. You're probably already there, anyways. Back at three, one. So you can see, in the second session today, we'll be looking at the rest of the verse, back at three, three, that we started in the first session, and uh, and uh, we see that uh, in this uh, uh, third prophetic statement, we have the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, majesty will cover the heavens. And, we'll pray, and his praise will fill the earth at his second advent. So we're going to talk about worshiping him, because this praise is basically an expression of worship of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second advent, and it will continue into the millennial reign as well. And, of course, as we saw, we're there. We're going to be there. So uh, as we usually do before the second session, we pray not only for the session, but also we pray for our offering. So with that in mind, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great privilege and opportunity now to present this love gift to you, an expression of gratitude for the wonderful spiritual blessings because of our union with Jesus Christ, your Son, and also the logistical grace blessings for another day. We just thank you, Father, for our jobs, our homes, our families, our salaries that we have, our businesses, our employees. We thank you, Father, for our homes, towns, and uh, cities, and country we just thank you for all the wonderful blessings that we often take for granted and this is a time now that we can express our gratitude to you for not only these temporal blessings but also the spiritual blessings which are even more important and so we just pray that this uh, offering would be pleasing to you we present it to you based upon what the spirit is teaching us in scripture and we know it's more blessed to give than to receive so this is an expression we're trying to imitate you and your son and the holy spirit who are the greatest givers, and so we'd like to, to, to present this to you uh, based upon the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. I also pray, Father, for the, the second session. I just pray t- uh, right now that uh, you would help me to deliver the full counsel tonight, uh, this afternoon, uh, the second session, with to do so with accuracy and clarity, reverence, respect, and power, and help me to uh, concentrate, and I pray the Spirit use me mightily and so that uh, you people could receive their necessary spiritual nourishment because your word states it's more blessed to give, uh, it's more, uh, your word is uh, alive and powerful and that uh, man does not live on bread alone but from every word that proceeds out of your mouth. I pray that you would help your people by the spirit to learn, understand and apply what they're being taught to concentrate and please break down any barriers that sin and Satan would put up that would hinder that from happening. So we pray for this uh, service in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name, amen. You should be at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. Excuse me. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, as I see, as you can see on the uh, the slide here, we'll finish off finishing this verse off here in the second session by noting the Lord Jesus Christ's majesty will cover the heavens, and his praise will fill the earth at his second advent. So Habakkuk 3 1 says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. We're going to read again the whole chapter, then look at verse 3 in detail. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigayanath, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, and our time make them known. And wrath remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. Salah. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood. And shook the earth. And he looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. And the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress. The dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow and you called for many arrows. Salah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode the earth, and in anger you fleshed, uh, threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one, speaking of Israel. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, Antichrist, and you stripped him from head to foot. Salah. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. And that's the end of the divine warrior psalm. Now we have Habakkuk's response to this and the, the first two chapters. And I heard, and my heart pounded, and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently, For the day of calamity to come on the nation, Babylon, invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud because of those Babylonian invasions, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to go on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3, my translation again. God will come from Teman, then the Holy One will travel from Mount Paran, Salah, that's tracking the movements of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second advent. And we just pointed that out with a map on the board, these geographical locations, which would be located in a place where we know today as the kingdom of Jordan. Then it says, and this is what we'll be looking at in the second session, his majesty will cover the heavens so that his praise will certainly fill the earth. Again, describing our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the second advent. Now as we noted in the previous session we noted verses 3 through 19 is a prayer which the prophet Habakkuk offered up to the God of Israel which, which he directed to be sung in the temple as part of the worship of the God of Israel. That temple would soon be gone. Uh, But it would be sung again when they rebuilt the temple, uh, Zerubbabel's temple, which became Herod's temple. We studied this in the book of Haggai. We also know that Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 3 through 15, is not only prophetic, referring to events of the 70th week and the second advent of Christ, but it's also alluding to the mighty acts of God, which he performed on behalf of the nation of Israel. Now, we also noted in the first session, Habakkuk 3.3 3 contains four prophetic statements with an interjection placed after the second. Salah is the interjection. Now, we saw in the first prophetic statement, it asserts that God will travel from Teman, and the second asserts that the Holy One, speaking again of Jesus Christ again, will travel from Mount Paran, and both of these prophetic statements refer to the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second advent, or in other words, his military movements during the second advent. A comparison of these first two prophetic statements recorded in Habakkuk 3.3 indicate that at his second advent, which ends the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation period in the times of the Gentiles, which we're currently uh, experiencing, we see that these two prophetic statements, a comparison of them both, indicate that at the second advent, the Lord Jesus Christ will travel from Teman and then to Mount Paran, again, where the kingdom of Jordan is today. Now, from there, he goes to the Mount of Olives, it appears. Now, as we noted earlier, also in the previous session, these first two prophetic statements in Habakkuk 3.3 echo Isaiah 63, 1-3, because that passage asserts, as we read, that the Lord comes from Edom, which is where Teman and Mount Paran were the kingdom of Jordan today, he comes from Eden and is with his garments covered in the blood of his enemies, which will take place at his second advent. We saw, that, and at the close of the first session, that this passage records God coming from Eden with blood on his garments, which has never happened in history, but it will take place at the Lord's second advent, according to Revelation nineteen thirteen. And 15. Now, though these two first statements in Habakkuk 3 3 are prophetic, describing two events connected to the second advent of our Lord, they would remind Habakkuk and the faithful remnant of Judah at the end of the seventh century BC, the Lord God of Israel, making himself known to Israel in the giving of the law. Now, the third prophetic statement, which we're going to look at primarily here in the final session, uh, Recorded here in Habakkuk 3.3, 3, this third prophetic statement asserts that Jesus Christ's majesty will cover the heavens. Now, the word majesty, chod, it's in the Hebrew, it speaks of the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ's sovereign authority over both the human and angelic races as well as over all of creation at his second advent. Now, uh, it's very interesting. When you see the word glory or glorify with relation to God, Uh, that's talking about God manifesting himself, okay? And it's one of it or more of his attributes. We are supposed to glorify God in our lives, which means what? We're to manifest the holy character of our God, whether it's through the practice of the command to love one another. When we do that, we're glorifying God. Or when we're going through undeserved suffering and when we're weak, we're strong, and our, God's great power is manifested in our human weakness, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you're glorifying God in the sense that you're manifesting his great power in your life. That's what glorification is talking about. And eventually, we'll glorify God when we get a resurrection body because it'll manifest God's great power and his faithfulness to us and love. But also, when we get rewards, that glorifies God because that, those rewards, as manifested in Revelation, when the, when the, when the overcomers throw their crowns at the head, uh, the feet of Jesus, that's, tell, that's what we'll do because our rewards are based upon his power and our union identification with him, which is the foundation of the spiritual life. So we're glorifying God then. So when we talk about majesty here, though, chod, it speaks of the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ's sovereign authority over both the human and angelic races as well as over all of creation. And so, very important, he right now sits at the right hand of the Father, awaiting his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. Everything that's... He's sovereign ruler and you are in union with him. Remember... You're at the right hand of the of the Father, where Jesus sits. You're the bride of Christ. You're members of His body. He's the head, We're the members of His body. He's the vine, We're the branches. We're inextricably tied to Him. We can't be separated. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So we're in we're in union and, and, and intimately connected. And He indwells us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit indwells with those are the people. Those of the the, the the persons of the Trinity. They rule the world. They are sovereign over creation. So that's why it's very, um, uh, it, it shows me that when Christians let the, 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 the events, of, events today in the world to get them so discombobulated that they lose sight of what, that he's on the throne. Hey, I, 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 I'm just right there with you when you see stuff going on your, on this country that are, you know, are unjust and not biblical and they're blatantly evil, okay? Yes, you should, that's called righteous indignation. But it could become sin on our part when we get so engrossed in what's going on and bad in our country, and that's why I say you should cut back on your intake from the news. Half the time, they're not telling you the truth anyways. Believe me, you probably know that already, okay? So what we need to do is, you listen to that so much. I, 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 you become so engrossed in it. You have become so cynical, and you don't, and you, don't uh, you you lose sight of the fact that you have everything, you and I have everything to be feeling great about despite the situation in the world, and the world's going to look at us like, why? And now we have, to, we have an answer for the hope that's within us, First Peter 3.15. So uh, don't get so... I, I had a friend. Who, I mean, he, wrote, he led me to the Lord. He was my mentor in guitar. He was a great lead guitar player, great musician. His name was Dave. I, lo- I love the guy, okay? And, we, you know, when I started going to Boz ministry, he, 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 we kind of like parted ways. But uh, I hear from him every now and then. But he would be so engrossed about Satan, you know, and and <laughs> the Blavatsky, and you know, all the world, you know the the, the, the Illuminati, and all that. Stuff. I've heard about. i you' about all that. Stuff. Well, but he, I'm not going to go there because it's another story for another day. Okay, okay. There's, there's. He would be so engrossed in what's going on in the world, evil, that it really affected him deeply. That he was suppressed all the time. I remember, Dave? Like, how is that? Where's the fruit of the spirit, Dave? This, this is. you know, it's like he goes. Well, you know, I'm like Jesus weeping over Jerusalem every day. You're weeping over Jerusalem. Give me a break. There's no, there's the fruit of the spirit's not manifest in your life. You're depressed all the time he, he would read, he'd spend all his time, look at reading these books, you know, satanic stuff. And no wonder you're so screwed up. It's like, read your Bible. If you spend more time with your Bible, studying your Bible, okay, you know, you don't have to be obsessive about what's evil to understand evil. What you need to do is learn God's word and you'll know it's evil by knowing the truth. Spend your time studying the word of God. used to drive me crazy. So will you hear me? When I have the, like, you know, these guys who, you know, they're, they're obsessed with the Illuminati. Also. Let me tell you something. It's much different than what this. The, the, the Illuminati, come on, guys. It's a lot. Of, I'm not saying there's not conspiracies in the world. What the main? Because if you those are rabbit holes, what you need to do is pay attention. That the greatest conspiracy is the devil, and the suppression of the resurrection that it actually took place. That's the greatest conspiracy. Okay? I know all about that stuff I, you know, JFK assassination. I know that for 40 years, okay? You can, those are you know, a lot of rabbit holes going on. You could spend your whole time and be totally whacked out and depressed because there's no way hey, you're in union with Christ. Hold on, somebody's sitting at the right here of the Father, you're in union with him. You're, you're a ruler. are you not? So don't I say all this because we God this, this word majesty. Is talking about Jesus Christ manifesting his sovereign authority at his second advent over both men and angels. And we're going to be there. And he's still with us. He's, okay, we're in, we're in behind enemy lines. Okay? The kingdom is not on the earth yet. When it does, okay, different story. Everything's just, but right now we're in a time of combat. Okay? Spiritual combat, spiritual warfare. The kind of warfare that is more insidious than any warfare that the world has ever seen. It's invisible enemies we have, and we need the the shield of the you know the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on the full armor of God, which speaks of you a military metaphor for your union identification with Christ. The breastplate of righteousness. That's all there. Okay. He uses different metaphors for our union with Christ. So where you keep that, and there's prayer and the Word of God. Prayer is effective because of the Word of God. You know the Word of God because you're supposed to pray according to the will of God. Thus, you need to know the word of God to be effective prayer warrior. Prayer And, and, and the word of God is your offensive weapon ring, and they're actually tied together, okay? So that's what we need to be paying attention to and not get too engrossed of what's going on in the world. We're, all, we're overwhelmingly conquerors already, okay? So we, we, when we walk in our daily lives, whether, 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 whether our jobs or whatever we're doing in our lives, Keep that in mind always. Don't be depressed about what's going on. It's supposed to be like this. It's the devil's world. What do you expect? Okay? But one day it's all going to change. Okay? And this is the encouragement that we need to hear that this is all going to go away. Everything that you see here is gone. He's going to make this place a parking lot with a 7 seal trumpet and bold judgment. So don't hang on too tightly to your homes. You know, I like my little cottage that I have in Five Points. I love that. It's a perfect area. It's all gonna be gone one day anyway. It's gonna be wiped off the face of the earth. You know, whether through a tornado or something, flying through Huntsville one day. I thought a couple of, when I very first came. Bob calls me up and goes, "You can see that that, that, that wet Mississippi that tornado." I was like, "Yeah, I haven't been in Iowa before. In fact, I had a, a, a little funnel cloud hit my roof in my my last year in Iowa and flip my my roof off." But. Um, I don't want to be one of those things, but uh, I say, I love what I am, and I love my place, but, you know, I'm not going to get too, you know, comfortable, okay, because I could go at any time, it could be taken away from me, I could be taken away from it, plus the Lord's going to make it a parking lot, he's going to just wipe this place out and cleanse it, okay, because that's what needs to be happening, because this earth has been engrossed in sin and evil for centuries upon century, okay, so we see the word Shemaim, that's the word for heavens, It refers to the earth's atmosphere in this context and the stellar universe. So there's three levels of heaven. Paul talks about the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12. By inference, you can see the second heaven must be the stellar universe. Pretty massive, right? And the earth's atmosphere has got to be the first heaven. So therefore, this third prophetic statement in Habakkuk 3.3 is asserting that the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ's sovereign authority over every creature in all creation will cover the earth's atmosphere as well as the stellar universe at a second advent. And that's kind of familiar, very familiar actually, to the statement in at 2.14. You don't have to go there. You can read my translation on the board. For the earth will be filled with knowing the Lord's glory experientially just as the waters fill the sea. So that statement here, as we studied in detail in at 2.14, is actually speaking of the future uh, millennial bodily reign of Jesus Christ on planet Earth because it's never been filled, fulfilled in history, this passage, and that the Earth was filled with people knowing the Lord's glory experientially as the waters cover the sea. To know the Lord's glory experientially, to know Jesus experientially, okay, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, ginosko in the word in the Greek, means know experientially, which means personally encountering God through the, the process of fellowship. Only believers can know the Lord experientially. That's why, this kid's got to be talking millennial reign because during the, at the second advent, Christ sends out the elect angels to remove every unregenerate, unsaved Jew or Gentile from the face of the earth. That's what Matthew 25 talks about. And there's other places, okay? So those procession of angels, which is actually in the Habakkuk 3 passage, the Divine Warrior Psalm, talks about procession of angels in there. They're going to remove all the unsaved. So that truly the earth will be covered with people that will know the Lord experience that are having fellowship with him, that are believers. Okay, we never had that in history, ever. So we see both Old and New Testaments prophesied that Jesus Christ will reign in Jerusalem bodily for a thousand years as king of not only Israel, but also the king over all the nations on planet Earth. And the Lord Jesus Christ's first advent, he didn't fulfill this prophecy in of 2.14, as we saw, because only a small remnant of Jews who believed in him possessed a personal, experiential knowledge of him. The majority of Israel at the first, during Christ's first advent rejected him, as we know, and the rest of the inhabitants of the world, they didn't know about him until his apostles and prophet, uh, disciples spread the gospel message about him and, uh, and regarding the significance of his death, resurrection, and ascension and session at the right hand of the Father. So the glory there in back of 2.14 now, as we pointed out, is the word kavod, okay, glory. Manifestation, it speaks of the manifestation of the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to the inhabitants of planet earth during his millennial reign. Now, back to three back three, to the fourth and final prophetic statement there. It asserts that praise of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second advent will certainly fill the earth. And this statement is actually presenting the result of the third prophetic statement, Thus, if you compare the two statements, it indicates that praise from both human beings and angels will fill the earth as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ's majesty covering the heavens at his second advent. And this praise will come from both human beings and angels, which is indicated by the fact that the scriptures teach that every church-age believer in a resurrection body will take take part in the second advent of Christ, as well as every Old Testament saint in a resurrection body will do so as well. You can also say the tribulational martyrs, they'll be in resurrection body at that time. Every born-again, regenerate human being that survived the prophetic events of the 70th week and the second advent of Christ will take part in it as well. And lastly, the elect angels will take part in the second advent as well, according to Revelation 19 and 20. So this praise, this praise of our Lord at his second advent speaks of praise as an expression of worshiping him. Sorry about the typo there. It speaks of praise as expressing the worship of the Lord in the sense of offering words of homage to him as an act of worshiping him. This is why I'm here. This is why you're here, is to worship him, ultimately to worship him. And the sad thing, I touched upon this in the previous lesson. In Christianity today, when they think of worship, they think of only music. Worship is much greater than that. It's your, we talk about your spiritual service of worship. Romans chapter 12. Hold your place real quick. It's your living the spiritual life is an act of worship, not just singing. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Hold your place. Go to Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1. Great book. We'll do it one day. But we won't do 500, over 500 hours like I did in Iowa. <laughs> Five, over 500 hours. It'll be like three and a half years of the book. But I loved every minute of it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so Revel, Romans, I say Romans, chapter 12, verse 1, says, Therefore, speaking of church-age believers like you and I, brothers, in view of God's mercy... He saved us despite the the fact that we're dead in our sins and transgressions. To offer your bodies, sanctification, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We talked about holiness in the first session, right? This is your spiritual act of worship. And you have churches in America today, I'm just picking on them, okay? When they talk about worship, it's always about music. And They don't we'll talk about this. Well, if they haven't looked at the book of Romans. Oh, it's too, date. It's, too it's too difficult. Oh, that's a good way to learn it. You know, maybe the pastor should roll up his sleeves and study, you know, so he does know it, so he can tell his people. I, that, there it is, the spiritual life. It's your spiritual act of worship. There's many forms and expressions of worship. The, the best book I've ever read is written by a man, he's like in his 90s now, Warren Worsby, called Real Worship. Pick up that book sometime. And I, I, I learned a lot from him about that. And he goes into these things. Just living a spiritual life is an act of worship. Singing, giving is an act of worship. Serving the body of Christ is an act of worship. There's many expressions of worshiping God. That's what we need to know. And If you look at the rest of the passage, look at verse 2. Connected to what he said in verse 1 do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, the devil's world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Sitting on a cornfield and contemplating infinity? Or, or, or We're in Alabama. Or sitting in, uh, in, a, in, a, uh, in a cotton field of cotton and contemplating infinity? Is that how I'm going to renew my mind? No, it's this. What you're doing, we're doing. Word of God, that's why we emphasize it here. You can't have a spiritual act of worship if you don't renew your mind. What the Spirit's teaching us in the Word of God. And therefore, if you don't know your Bible and don't put it into practice, how are you worshiping Him? You're not. Because you need to have some content to understand why I'm worshiping. What am I worshiping? Who am I worshiping? I are mean, you going to worship the, the Jesus that just is sweet and nice? You're going to worship the Jesus both God and man? And He's also the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And He's going to come to judge the living and the dead? He's going to have the blood of his enemies on his garments in the second heaven. Are you worshiping that God or some other Jesus that they, that's more tame? Okay? So people talk about worship in this country and there's no content to their worship. You can't worship the way God wants you to worship if you don't know your Bible. And you, knowing it's not just enough intellectually, it's putting it into practice. Let me see the word of God in your life. And many of you can, can say this, I've seen it transform my life. I look at the things I did even 10 years ago or my attitude or my things I or 15 years ago or 25 years ago. I think about when I was in my mid-20s when I was just starting to get serious about the Word of God. Oh my God, I've changed so much. You can't, I couldn't recognize me. You wouldn't recognize me. I had hair back then. I had really nice hair too. I was really, you know, you know, I could have been in Bon Jovi's band back then. You're laughing. Come on, if I showed you pictures with me with hair, one day I'll do that. Oh, I showed somebody, you look so much better now. Get the heck out of here. I look so much better now. Actually, I save on a lot of shampoo and conditioner. I don't have to worry about that, or hair dryers. Oh, gosh, I I don't miss that at all. Bald is beautiful, baby. Remember that. (laughs) Oh, you're just jealous. I'm not jealous of a guy with hair anymore. Are you kidding me? I'm 62 years old. Who am I trying to impress? I'm not 25 years old when I'm trying to impress a hot chick to go out with her. Oh, gosh, gosh. Some guys, and, and forgive me if there's anybody with a wig here, okay? Guys, get rid of the rug if you're 80 years old. I knew this guy, and I had a, he had a, how am I getting into this? He had this, like, a carpet on his head. I was like, hey, look, get rid of that. I mean, he was like, you're 80 years old for crying out loud. Your wife doesn't care what you look, your hair looks like at this point. I mean, or, and I had a friend, he used to color his head, you stop coloring your hair. You're like 69 years old or whatever you are now. You look like a knucklehead. So if you color your hair, oh, I'm sorry if I offended you. But stop coloring your hair.
1: Gray is beautiful,
0: baby. No, but if you're a lady, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> because my mother, she used to color hair all the way in her, and I have nothing problem with that. She had beautiful red hair like Mrs. Big Gale every time I see her, I was like, hey, my, my mom's here. I told you when I was to take care of my mother and I was, we at, at, it was like the, toward the end. And we could take, you know, during the middle of the COVID thing, we couldn't take her to hairdressers because everything was closed down. So her hair was starting to get gray. i my like, well, I'm probably gonna get, get, get a colored hair. I was like, I think it looks pretty good, you know? And he goes, you think? I don't know. I mean, it's your wife. I mean, I mean, I, I, I think she is, not, you know, her hair is nice. So anyways, she, we let her go gray. And I remember we I was taking her up to get change. So that was, I would take her, we'd have dinner, and I would, I'd take her up to the, the bedroom and I'd get her in her pajamas. It was, you know, change, it was like, oh, my gosh. God's getting me back for being in pain when I was a little kid. Now I'll have to take care of, my, have my mother change my mother. So I'll get her in, get her, in her pajamas, and then I'd I like to brush her hair, okay, because she liked it. Like, and she goes, one day she looks at me and goes, what the heck happened to my hair? I go, ma, what do you mean? He goes, it used to be red, Now go was like she had this flashback, or so then, the next day though, she never said a word, she, she, she doesn't care, she didn't care anymore, but I think it, look, it looks good though, but you know, if you hadn't seen her in about 10, 15 years, like a girlfriends, they probably wouldn't think, oh, that's not the Ellie I knew, and she. but anyways, hey, you're getting old, I, you know, anyway, she's going to get a resurrection body anyways, like the rest of us here, so, you know, I'm just wondering if I'm going to have a resurrection hair, you know, that'd be quite interesting, <laughs> I hope it's like Elvis, jet black, so I can slick it back and go hunk a hunk of burning love and all that. Because <laughs> you won't be singing hunk a hunk of burning love in the millennial reign. You won't be thinking like that. Anyways, how did we get to that? Ah, oh, the praise. <laughs> so it says, uh, you, you, so that, well, This is what we're in Romans 12 too. Okay, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Word of God. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. But notice this verse is actually tied to verse 1, because this verse tells you how to do verse 1, your spiritual act of worship. So we're talking about this passage because worship is not simply singing. Singing is one of many expressions of worshiping. Go back to Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3, please. So it says in Habakkuk 3.3, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Salah. His glory covered the heavens. When he comes back, you know, just his personal manifestation will light the planet along with us, his bride, and the elect angels, and the resurrection uh, Old, Testament body, uh, Old Testament saints and their ba- resurrection bodies, the tribulation of martyrs and their resurrection bodies. We're going to light the planet up, okay? His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. We don't see it today, do we? You know, Jesus is, who? It's just pie in the sky. These people, blah, 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 they don't know what they're talking about. They're they, 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 they weak. It's why they need, they need this stuff, because they're not strong like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, I heard that a million times. Now, and so right now he's he's laughed at, especially in our country now. Majority of people in our country they could care less about Jesus. Christmas, I hate when they do Xmas. I always say Christmas. And like, oh, if you ask me to do the prayer at a Christmas party, oh, you know, I'm 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 not doing it for a long time. But I'm saying, oh, and the reason why we're worshiping here, Lord, is Father is your Son. Became a human being to save us wicked sinners. I love doing it. You wanna go? You want me to do the old baby to do prayer for something? Oh, guess what? And I got an unbelievers here, they're gonna hear about it. It's Christmas. It's the reason for the season. You know? Forget about I mean my my, my dad's oh, I can't stand Christmas. I said, You know why you can't stand Christmas? Because you fall into the deception of the whole world to try to get you to not like Christmas, which is what? Materialism. It let me get you, it's not about Santa Claus. And there's no such thing as Rudolph. I used to think that till I was about 12 years old. I'm out there. I can see him. Now nah, it's the plane from Nord Airport, you knucklehead. But I was like, it's no, the, the garbage we give our kids, okay? So, I mean, now I got to put it Well, pass the bill. I tell my kids, okay, when you're little, little, okay? Well, eventually you got to start telling them, you know, if they figure it out anyways. Eh, there's no Santa Claus, is there? No. Because I just saw a mummy kissing Santa Claus. Okay, so, so, unless mommy's fooling around with somebody I don't know, dad. It, it, that was you, wasn't it? Yes, that's me, okay? So the cookies are for, for dad, yeah. So why is he dressed up in that stupid suit? I don't know, we're having a good time. So Christmas, Christmas, they, they probably, that's what they probably did. I, 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 Christmas, Christ mass, okay? More Christ, okay? That's what it's all about. It's a time to worship him. Okay, and that's what it's all about it's about praise praise is a form of worship and this is what we got going on here at the second advent his, praise, his glory covered the heavens and his praise was for the earth so we see that there, this praise of our Lord at the second advent speaks of his praise as an expression of worshiping the Lord in the sense of offering words of homage to him as an act of worshiping him now listen to me carefully there are four English words Reverence, respect, awe, and wonder, which express the concept of worshiping. Reverence will always come back. With me, you have me as your pastor. I'll always be coming back from time to time, no matter what the subject, and when worship comes up, I will talk about these words. Because reverence, respect, awe, and wonder express the concept of worshiping God. You know, this is an act of worship, there should be respect. Okay, and we, and we have a and we have in this church. We there's a, a, a set up already with Pastor Peak and, and, the, and the board about is a it should be respect when the Word of God's being taught. You know, none of this stuff. If I see one of you texting out there, you know what I'll do? I'll throw I'll throw like uh, I don't know I'll throw this this what do you call it? I'll throw this at you or something. I don't know. I'll look at you. You got a text on? I mean, one time a guy had his text on. said like, I looked at him like and he just went put it away. It's like, what are you, an idiot? How, do we, how you, I'm talking the word of God and you're a Christian you got your text out? You could put it away, put it on airplane mode and stop being disrespectful. Now you're all going, did I get my thing? The pastor's going to yell at me. Just shut him off, for crying out loud. And I know most of you do. But once in a while, I hear him squeaking. I was like, hey, come on. Where, where's your respect? Okay? So respect, is a part of worship. Reverence, respect, awe. Express the concept of worshiping God. Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary defines the noun reverence as a feeling or attitude of deep respect tinged with awe, veneration. Now, if we paraphrase this definition and apply it to the unique person of our Lord Jesus Christ, we could say that the Christian's response to a study of the unique person of Jesus Christ is to possess an attitude of deep respect and awe for him. At the second advent, there'll be an attitude of deep respect and awe for him. You're just going to be going, there'll be a lot of jaws dropping. Okay? Oh, this wasn't pie in the sky after all. Well, you'd be gone anyways if you're like that. Okay? But for us, this would be ah, it's come to pass. This is so cool. And listen to me one day, whatever you're going through, you hear me say, oh, don't worry, it'll come to pass. Okay? I say that to myself when I go through stuff. Right now, we're talking right now. One day, guys. All this will come to pass, and we'll be there. It's not going to be there very long. It's imminent, really, when you think about it. We see that Webster's also defines the noun respect as esteem for for, or a sense of the worth or excellence of a person, a personal quality or trait, or something considered as a manifestation of a personal quality or a trait. Thus, the Christian should esteem the excellence of the unique person of Jesus, as it will be done during the second advent, as manifested through his personal qualities or attributes such as his love, faithfulness, mercy, compassion, justice, righteousness, truth, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience, immutability, never changes, sovereignty. Thus, the Christian, pre- Webster's, oh, almost missed this, awe, ah, what is awe? Ah? Webster says it's an overwhelming feeling of reverence and admiration, fear, etc. Produced by that, which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful, or the like. Thus, the Christian should possess an overwhelming feeling of reverence and admiration for the Lord, as it will be the case at his second advent. And we see that wonder. Webster defines that as to be filled with admiration, amazement, or awe, to marvel. The Christian should be filled with admiration, amazement, and awe in response to who the Lord is as the God-man, as we Spirit reveals them to us in the pages of Scripture. Because at the second advent, we will be absolutely in admiration and awe in response to his manifestation to the the inhabitants of planet Earth at his second advent when he starts the the kingdom on Earth. The Spirit's revelation in the Scriptures concerning the person of our Lord should reach right into the Christian's heart and shake us up and enrich our lives. And it should overwhelm us with an emotion that is a mixture of gratitude, adoration, reverence, fear, and love for him. That's what the Lord's Supper is about. That's what this is about. This is not about me being an entertainer or anybody. When we sing, we sing to lift him up. When we teach, it's to lift him up. When we serve, it's to lift him up. It's always about him. If we're not about him and lifting him up, woe to us whether you're a pastor or a deacon or whatever you are, if you have your own agenda, woe to you, it'll never be worth anything at the Bamacy. seat. You've know, wasted your life. It's always about him. The great saints of the Old Testament and New Testament were about him. Bible class is about him, not you or me. We are so self-absorbed and narcissistic in our country, it's about him. We're here to worship him and not the pastor. I can't stand it when I hear people lifting up a pastor, especially when he's been dead for like 30 years. Like, give me a break. Well, you know, he's dead. There are other guys around, as if God didn't have other guys ready when he died. Don't make a big deal about a pastor. That's all right to have respect about him, okay? And you're supposed to honor him, okay? But don't make him deify him. And don't make him out to be something that he's not. Because you know what? God will show you that he's just like you, I I'm saved by the grace of God. And You know, I don't put on ears. I don't want to put on, you you get what you get. I'm not, I could sit there and do, I could really, I could orchestrate this as being, you know, uh, you know, like, oh, wow. I could do all that stuff, but I'm not going to bother. Why? Because it's just fleshly. I'm not trying to impress you with my eloquence or anything like that or how my diction and all that. I'm trying to talk to you like I would talk to you right face to face. It's right down to the point where the rubber meets the road. This is, Bill, by the grace of God, just like you are here by the grace of God, and you get what you get, okay? Plain speak, and it's about him. Because I'm nothing. I'd be dead right now without him. Who knows where I would be without him? Where would you be without him? We'd be lost. I remember being lost. It's miserable. I look at where he's done for me. I mean, I have walked into this church, you know, I go. Like, look at this, hey, this beautiful building. And I got these guys. I go to the board meetings, like, oh, hey, I, I great deacons for crying out loud. Oh my goodness. And I look around, and like, look at the congregation in front of me, okay? I, I didn't pull this, this, this is Buddy Peake's ministry. He pulled this together with, his, with you guys. I'm just walking in, walking right into a thing meet, ready made. What did I do? Nothing. Oh, well, you know, you know, you know so much about it. Yeah, big deal, okay? There's no merit in me knowing the Bible. I should know the Bible. Everything that we have, everything we do, everything is all about him. We, don't, we wouldn't exist. We don't, everything is holding together right now because he's given his word. We worship him. We need to be our of him. Therefore, the Christian should approach the Lord Jesus Christ by manifesting an attitude of deep reverence, respect, and awe for him for who and what he is and what he's done for us and what he was going to do for us in the future, what he's doing for us now, interceding at the right hand of the Father, that Christians should respond in their mind, emotion, and body to the Spirit's revelation and the Word of God concerning the unique person of Jesus Christ. Worship is the act of paying honor and reverence to him and affection for him, and it flows from love. And where there's little love, there's little worship. And is the loving, worship is the loving ascription of praise to the Lord, in gratitude and appreciation for who and what He is, both in Himself and in His ways and in His work on the cross for us. It's the bowing of the soul and spirit, in deep humility and reverence before the Lord. Doesn't it say in Psalm 29, verse 2 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to His name, worship the Lord. And holy array. And do you know that our destiny is to worship him? Promise, one more passage, and then we're going to have Mary and Paul come up. Oh, where's Peter? Peter, Paul, and Mary are going to be... (laughs) You guys, you're not as old as I am. You remember Peter, Paul, and Mary. Come on. Let's go to one more passage. Go to Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 5. We'll go there. Look at Revelation chapter 5, look at verse verse 11. Interesting. Book of Revelation, easy to outline. First three chapters is the church on earth. Okay? They're on earth. John all of a sudden says, when he gets to chapter 4, they say, ah, come up here, John. Is he a member of the church? Yes. Into heaven. Of the rapture. Revelation 4 and 5 is the church in heaven. Then you have no mention of the church. Chapter 6 through 18. We show up again in Revelation 19 and we're coming back with Christ to end the, tri- the 70th week of the, end of the tribulation period. And then we have the millennial reign. Okay? So here we are in heaven. Now, the minute, hey, the minute you and I die, if we're not the rapture generation, we're going to be absent from the body, face to face in the Lord, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Verse 10. Absent from the body, face to face with the Lord. Or if the rapture happens, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. But right now, my brother Kenny, my grandmother Eva, my father's mother, um, my aunt Dot, my all the people who were born again and saved, my friend uh, Phil, who went home, Wayne, Mike, they all went before me. This is what they're doing. Watch what they're going to do. They're going to worship the Lord. That's what they're doing, okay? Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice and they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to be be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures, representing the angels, said, Amen. So be it. And the elders, that's representing the church, fell down and worshiped. That's our destiny, people, is to worship the one who 2,000 years ago left the comforts of the throne room of God to become a human being and to suffer the wrath of God in our place so that we wouldn't suffer it forever in the lake of fire. He rose from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father to make his enemies a footstool for his feet, and then he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead and start the kingdom. That's your God. Worship him. Worship him. Heavenly Father. We just thank you, Father, for this time to study your word. We thank you for everyone here, and we pray that this message will touch the hearts of all your people, give, whether it's correction, exhortation, encouragement, or a rebuke, if necessary, whatever it is, to conform them more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, and we can't thank you enough. And at this Christmas time, just help us to always remember the reason for this season is your Son. And the only reason why we are here and the reason why we're in this church, in this building right now, is because of your son and what he did for us and what he's going to do for us in the future and what he's doing for us now. So I just pray, Father, this lesson will be a great blessing to you people, bringing ultimately glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Spirit. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to have Paul and Mary come up and do a song. I'm looking forward to this. And, uh, and so... We have a lot of very talented people musically that God has gifted. So uh, this is a gonna uh, be a lot of fun. And, uh, is it, and is it all right? Can I sit? With, I'll sit with Kirk, I guess. I, I'm looking around who I can sit with, and I really don't want to sit with Kirk. Does anybody want me to sit with Kirk? No, I'm just kidding. Let me get out of the way. I'm kidding.
1: Stay. Sure.
0: dismissed. Great, great job and perfect song with the, with the message. Thank you so much. Excellent.